welcome to Fusion Fellowship Group. It's good to see everybody. Um, beautiful day, holy jamoli. Hope you guys got to enjoy the weather outside because it was nice. I got to enjoy probably 10 minutes of it, but hey, we've all been there, right? Um, so tonight, oh yeah, 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 it's game over. Tonight, uh, we have Justin and Carlel teaching out of Ephesians chapter 5. 18 through 20. 18 through 20. Three verses instead of one. So it's going to be triple the amount of power in this teaching. Um, just kidding. But it's going to be great. So the verse is going to be up here on the screen. You can follow along or in your phone or real Bible. Um, tonight, no fun, no activities. Just kidding. We're going to have a lot of fun. There's that game room over there that's pretty fun. I mean, everywhere is a fun time in here. So, uh, we're going to be using Hangout. Next week, however, it's going to be ultra fun. There's a talent show. So bring your talents. Maybe you like to flip quarters and you're really good at that. Hey, bring a quarter. Okay, impress us all with your quarter flipping skills. But come prepared to do something. Okay, that'll be a lot of fun. Uh, even if you're not very good at it, I think it'll be to the so enjoyment. You bring an anti-talent as well. Exactly Why right. Not? Yep. Why not? It's for the edification of the group. Right? Wait till you see my talent. I'm just saying. I can't wait. Wait till you see my talent. I think John can't wait. take us outside and show us how to hold Oh, he's going he's gonna to go through how to change out every axle on a car. That is useful information. It's talent. Yeah. What? 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 Just kidding. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. So that's next week. So be prepared for that. It's gonna be a fun time. Uh, if you haven't let Becky know that you're going to the retreat, please do so very soon. We're gonna get all the final numbers here uh, shortly. So say yes or say no. Don't say yes and then no. Maybe you can say no and then yes. That's okay too. But. Uh, Please go. It's going to be a great time. It's going to be a cool time of fellowship and uh, being unified together. Where is it? Oh, you know. (laughs) Where's Becky? There you are. It's in Butler, Ohio. Butler? Butler, Ohio. Becky knows all details. She just doesn't want to share them right now. What? San Juan, Iowa. Everybody's been there at least once, right? Yeah, Toyota kayaks. So that's going to be fun. Um, I think there's anything else, right? Yeah. Taco night, Saturday after CT, be there or be not a taco. And tacos are delicious, so you should be there. Yeah. Respite. Yeah, respite related. We are having a respite on Saturday. And exactly. we definitely need prayers that all of the families can come. We have four families expected to show up. It's our biggest respite yet. But I do have a special request. If anyone is free around 4 o'clock tomorrow, we are going to be disinfecting some of the baby rooms because of death plague that's been coming bug that's been rampaging. So if anyone is free at 4 o'clock to help me and BK bleach a bunch of toys, we would appreciate it. 4 o'clock or before? 4 o'clock tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow. tomorrow. 4 tomorrow, 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 Friday. Friday. Not during CT, yeah. No, you can't bleach and then give the toys to babies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it turns out. Alrighty, without further ado, Justin, come on up. Oh, Carla. Hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Alright, 
So, some of you guys might uh, be aware, I, I've heard that today is uh, a holiday of sorts. Uh, I'm clearly dressed for it. St. Patrick's Day, right? That's a huge holiday, especially here in Kent. Uh, you know, you see all the college students going downtown and uh, just being drunk all day, which, which I think is very coincidental because that's what I'm going to be teaching on is, is drunkenness. So that's what I'm going to be talking about a, a little bit. Uh, but can, first, can we get a couple people praying? Dear Lord, thank you for bringing Justin and Harlow to teach tonight. Um, pray that everybody gets something out of this teaching, especially Harlow and Justin and themselves. And pray that respite on Saturday goes well for dating them. I pray that everybody that puts on Amazon. I think you got it for this day. What a beautiful day. Yeah. After such a long, cold set. So anyway, thank you and praise you for that, guys. It was so cool to be outside and, uh, without a coat. Uh, just hanging out. I pray for our time tonight, man, that, uh, that we would have a brighter time tonight. And a warmer time tonight. Yeah, I pray that as we get into your word, that your word would um, pierce our hearts, God, that we would hear from you, uh, that you would talk to us, that we would be able to hear. And I pray for these guys tonight that you would strengthen their spirits to talk to us uh, from your word. Yeah, Heavenly Father, I just, uh, yeah, I do second that. I thank you for today. It's been such a beautiful day and being able to get out and uh, enjoy this uh, lovely weather. Um, I just pray for tonight, just pray that you'd be speaking through Car- Carlel and I, as we're talking about uh, you, talking about your word, talking about uh, getting drunk, and also getting drunk with the Spirit. So I just pray that you'd be using us tonight, and it'd be a good time hanging out afterwards. Amen. Okay, so as we've been studying Ephesians, we are currently in a very practical part of the book, where Paul, who wrote the book, is continually using this command to walk. So the first three chapters were uh, Paul explaining the things that God has done for us. Uh, Then in chapter 4, Paul shifted a little bit, and he said, Now I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. He's basically saying, you know, God has done so many things for us, uh, and those things have a direct relevance in your life as a Christian. Uh, so he's bringing up now, now that you have all this information, how do we live out who we are? Uh, because there's a fundamental change that happens uh, when you become a Christian. Uh, we, our identity changes and we uh, get all these gifts and blessings from God that we didn't have access to before. And so he starts laying out what, how are we supposed to live? He's, and he brings up, we are to walk in unity. We're to work hard to preserve that. Um, and we don't walk how we used to because we have a new way to live our life. So now last week, we were talking about uh, being wise versus being unwise. And this is because it's entirely possible to live our entire lives and waste it, to waste our lives, even as a Christian. 
Uh, you see these verses. Can someone read these for me? So then be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. All right, saying, he's talking about the days are evil, which is uh, the word he uses for evil basically is like bad. Uh, the days are bad, the days are evil. Um, Life is hard, is what he's saying. You know, it can be painful. It's very draining. Uh, and there's plenty of opportunities to make mistakes, make wrong turns. Uh, life can be confusing. Uh, so how will you stay on track? He says in verse 17, don't be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. That's how you stay, stay on track. But how do you cope with life and with all the trials, with all the pain, the hardships that happen? Uh, maybe you're in survival mode right now. Have you guys ever been in that? Uh, I have. You know, where you're just trying to keep your head above water, keep existing, just keep going on because life is so hard. How do you cope with life when it's hard like that? And so that's what we're going to be talking about in this passage, uh, in these next couple of verses. And Paul starts off with what not to do in verse 18. And says, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation. So this brings up a question. Does scripture forbid the use of alcohol? Some Christians say, yeah, it does. I got a quote here from this guy, uh, Bonaducci. Says, drinking, even social drinking, cannot be legitimately supported by the Bible. Drinking socially is a worldly activity in light of the fact that believers are neither to be conformed to the world nor love the world. Our choice should be clear. Social drinking is simply a means which the devil uses to blunt our testimony for Christ and squeeze us into his mold. This is uh, Samuel Bacciocci who wrote this book called Wine in the Bible. This is a very common view. This guy is a Seventh-day Adventist. But it's pretty common in the American church. Uh, he just slammed Jesus Christ. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Most churches prohibit any and all drinking. Uh, they argue that when the Bible talks about wine, uh, it either says don't drink it, or when it says something seemingly positive about it, that it's actually talking about grape juice. Mm. Or an antiseptic, where basically they put a little bit of alcohol in some water, because water was bad back then. And so they put a little alcohol in it to purify the water, to make it safe for drinking. And, and frankly, this idea is uh, pretty unrealistic, according to like how history works. Because you see, when the Bible was written, there wasn't such a thing as refrigeration. Or uh, they haven't invented uh, pasteurization yet. So the ways in which, so when you make uh, grape juice, if it sits around at room temperature for a little bit, it's going to ferment. It's going to become alcoholic. So it would be pretty unrealistic for, you know, to claim that there's going to be just (coughs) grape juice back then. It just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But it's on basis of arguments like this that Christians in America spearheaded the Prohibition Movement. You guys probably heard of that, where uh, in the early 20th century, they 
completely made a constitutional amendment banning, uh, making it illegal to sell alcohol. You know, it is because they were correctly pointing out a lot of the uh, bad things that come from uh, excess alcohol use, you know, abusing alcohol. Back then, they did this uh, study where they found that, like, a large proportion of men ages between 15 and 60 uh, spent the majority of their paychecks on alcohol. And so these men would be getting drunk and coming home and being violent and abusive to their families. And it was a real bad time. It was a real legitimate problem, but they went uh, after the wrong source. I think this attitude creates a bigger issue, though. It creates a barrier for people to come to know Jesus. Uh, This anti-alcohol stance, it, it is something that's become synonymous with Christians, Uh, And frankly, it's hard enough for people to admit that, yeah, I am a sinner. I am uh, broken. I need God's forgiveness without the addition of also saying, but if I do this, I'm never going to be able to have a single beer again, a single glass of wine. It's not hard to imagine that kind of thinking. It's an extra burden that turns people away from God. And this was actually... um, similar to an issue that was happening in uh, the days of the early church in the New Testament. There was this group of people called the Party of the Circumcision. Sounds like a terrible party. (laughs) (laughs) Basically, they would come around and say, oh, you became a Christian. That's really cool. You know what you got to do now? Now you need to get a little... (laughs) And that, you could imagine, would turn people away. You know, and that's something that's not prescribed by the Bible. You know, the Bible, God never says, don't drink. Never says that. So let's see what the Bible actually does say about alcohol. I think we're going to see that God says that it's a good thing when it's used appropriately. So let's get this first verse and do it around me. Someone read that for me. And you may spend the money on whatever your heart desires, on oxen, sheep, wine, other strong drink, or whatever your heart desires. And there you shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God and rejoice, you and your household. All right. So this is talking about this time where once a year uh, the Israelites were to come together. They were to bring their tithe, this offering of money. And God is telling them, here's what you can spend the money on. Uh, Buy some food. Buy some wine or other strong drink. This other strong drink's not, you know, like it's not a monster energy drink. They didn't have that back then. <laughs> but it's talking about alcohol here. Or whatever your heart desires. And eat in the presence of the Lord and have a good time. He's basically saying, have a party. Enjoy yourself. So let's see another one. Can someone read this for me? He causes the grass to grow for the cattle and the vegetation for the labor of mankind so that they may produce food from the earth, and wine, which makes a human heart cheerful, so that he makes his face gleam with oil, and food, which sustains a human heart. Yeah, have you guys ever had like a really good glass of grape juice that just makes you feel all pleasant? (laughs) (laughs) He's talking about wine, alcoholic wine. What's next? Isaiah 25, 6. Someone read this for me. Now, 
Go ahead. <laughs> now the Lord of armies will prepare a lavish banquet for all peoples on this mountain, a banquet of aged wine, choice pieces with marrow, and refined aged wine. Yes. So this is literally talking about Jesus Christ going, preparing a banquet full of aged wine. Why would you age grape juice? That doesn't make sense. There's legitimate reasons to age wine. It makes it taste better. And then, of course, we've got this one. This is a fun one. Son of Solomon. May he kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is sweeter than wine. So this is great, you know. You ever go up to a girl and be like, Oh, baby, making love to you is better than a juicy juice. <laughs> Makes no sense. <laughs> and frankly... That could work. <laughs> frankly, Jesus Christ himself drank wine. His very first miracle was turning water into wine. And it wasn't a little bit of water into a little bit of wine. It was 120 gallons of wine. That is a lot of wine. That is enough to party for days. That is so much wine. So this anti-drinking position that the American church uh, doesn't make a lot of sense. Doesn't really add up to what the Bible talks about and how it views uh, wine, alcohol. Uh, it's, Moore says drinking can be a good thing when it's used appropriately. So then what is the problem? The problem isn't don't drink wine at all. The problem is don't get drunk with wine. Uh, the misuse of alcohol, the abuse of alcohol can be tragic. And scripture has a lot to say about this topic. There's this verse. Who has woe? Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaining? Who has wounds without cause? Who has red eyes? Who has all those things? Those who linger long over wine, those who go to taste mixed wines, do not look at the wine when it's red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it goes down smoothly. In the end, it bites like a snake and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your mind will say perverse things. And you will be like one who lies down in the middle of the sea or what, like one who lies down on top of a mast. They struck me, but I did not become ill. They beat me, but I did not know it. When will I awake? I seek another drink. So this is, uh, you know, just describing what it's like being drunk. You know, you say, see some strange things, say some <laughs> strange things. You're just kind of looking after that next drink. Romans 13. Can someone read this for me? Let behave, I mean, let's behave properly as in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and debauchery, not in strife and jealousy. So there's a lot of New Testament uh, instruction about uh, getting drunk. Uh, drunkenness often shows up in these like sin lists. Uh, there's another one here. This one here's got a whole bunch of stuff, but it's right there in verse 21. Envy, drunkenness, carousing, things like these. <sighs> this is contrast to that verse we were talking about earlier, that uh, walk in a manner worthy of your calling, your new identity. First uh, Peter talks about this as well. 
for the time already passed is sufficient for you to have carried out the desire of the Gentiles, having pursued a course of indecent behavior, lust, drunkenness, carousing, drinking parties, and wanton idolatries. So this is, uh, you know, Peter is coming out here and saying, what's it going to benefit you? You've already been there. You know what it's like. And there's a lot more verses about this topic. Uh, many more. There's dozens of them. And this is opposed to like we talked a few weeks ago about cussing. There's like maybe one or two verses. It's a very minor emphasis. Whereas uh, drunkenness is a major emphasis. And there's a big reason for it. It's because of this here, this dissipation. Anybody know what dissipation means? It's a weird word. Basically, it's like wasting away is what he's getting at. Uh, you had all this stuff given to you. Uh, you know, God's given you these great gifts. He's great. Uh, and you're going and wasting it. You know, not only is it a waste of money, a waste of your health. You know, you can have liver failure. Um, but it's a waste of time. It's time that you're never going to get back. And you can do great harm to yourself and others. Uh, you can lose control of yourself. You can hurt people. Uh, you know, it's a big lie that uh, a lot of alcoholics believe that they're only harming themselves. It's just not true. Uh, you know, I've seen this. Uh, my cousin was hit by a drunk driver uh, when he was riding a motorcycle. And he lost about that much of his leg forever. He almost died. You know, but there are big consequences for drunkenness. So the question is then, why do we get drunk? There's quite a few reasons, I think. I think the first one's going to be escape. And we don't like our life. We're not happy. You got problems. You're depressed. You're anxious. And alcohol can be a way to get away from that. It doesn't really fix the problems. You know, you're going to... Um, Problems stay around, but then also you got a new problem. You're drunk. Uh, you, you know, you're checking out for a while, and then when you check back in, you find, guess what, everything's still bad. And this is different than what's described in Ephesians 6.18. Can someone read this for me? With all prayer and petition, pray at all times in the Spirit, and with this in view, be on the alert with all perseverance and petition for all the saints. Yeah, you know, this is, you can't just run away from life. You can't run away from your problems. You know, this verse is calling us to look for every opportunity to serve God and love people. You know, so you can't be on the alert if you are being drunk, if you're escaping from life. Could be habit. You know, maybe you're addicted. That happens. Alcohol is addictive. You know, it not, might not be as rapidly addictive as things like heroin, but... Uh, you can still become addictive, and frankly, alcohol is a lot more readily available than uh, anything else. Uh, somebody read this verse for me. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. <clears throat> right. problem with addiction is you become a slave to it. Your life starts to revolve around it. You wake up, when you need to get a, have a drink, you go... You know, you get off work, you need to have another drink. Uh, your life starts to revolve around it. Or maybe social inadequacy. I can kind of relate to this one. 
Uh, you know, you ever go to a party, there's a bunch of people around. I would, in college, make my costumes an excuse to drink. <laughs> that, like, every year. Because there were a lot of people, and I, you know, I'm not great around crowds. And uh, it's not great. Uh, it's, it's not a good thing at all to be reliant on it, to have a good time. Maybe it's carelessness. You know, you're doing shots, you're not paying attention to how many you've taken. And before you know it, you know, you've thrown up on the floor and your good friends, Alex and Jeff, have to clean up after you. I don't know who would ever do something like that, but it happens. And of course, people get drunk to feel good, you know, because it feels good to drink. It feels good to drink, to get drunk. I think a lot of these principles apply to uh, other things like other drugs. Um, I think there's a difference, and the Bible makes this distinction with alcohol in that uh, there is a, uh, an in-between between being sober and being drunk. Uh, not so much with like, things like being high. Paul's calling us, though, to fill our inner void with something better. Uh, that's why it's saying here in this second half. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. He's saying instead of being filled or being drunk, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, God has real joy, real happiness that he wants to give us. And that's what Carlo's going to be talking about. Oh, oh. <laughs> Very good. What a cliffhanger. Oh, baby. All right, so I got to do this thing because how I have my notes set up. Oh, nope, that's not the thing I want to do. Every time. Okay, hold on, hold on. There we go. Okay, okay, I'm over here. I'm over here. I'm over here. Okay, cool. Man, I feel like every time we do PowerPoints, too, like, look at Justin's font and look at my font. I got to figure out this font issue. I'm always doing, I'm always doing way too much, way too small. Way too small. I thought 30 was good, but we need to go over 30. Okay, so, yeah, we're left off on this cliffhanger. Be filled with the Spirit. What does that even mean? Um, I got a different translation uh, from what Justin wrote, which I think, uh, I think is, is interesting also to, to continue on with that. Being drunk. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Woo! I think that hits the point pretty strongly. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have this command. Be filled with the Spirit now. In other words, allow the Holy Spirit to take control. Yielding yourself to the influence of the Holy Spirit I don't know if you guys know this, but when you're driving on the highway, you probably ignore this sign that says yield to oncoming traffic. Yes. Commonly ignored all over the place. Uh, basically, what you're supposed to do when you see this sign is to yield to oncoming traffic. <laughs> <laughs> Allowing the traffic to continually go that have the right of way. And when it's your turn, you have a pocket, then you go into that lane. Yielding to the oncoming traffic, which is, which is interesting. Yielding. People don't understand that. But, so in the same case here, we, ch- we should yield to the influence of the Holy Spirit. Allowing the Holy Spirit to take in front of us and follow 
his lead. So that's what I'm going to be talking about tonight. That's what, what he's talking about here with being filled with the Holy Spirit. So Justin did a good job of, of explaining what it looks like to submit to drunkenness, letting that control you and uh, take a, a part of your life there. And uh, so I'm going to be talking about what it looks like to submit to the Holy Spirit on the other end. So I think this is a good verse that goes uh, a little bit more into what it looks like to allow the Holy Spirit to lead. Anyone want to grab that? But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, peace patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So there is no law against these things. In other words, it is not illegal to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It is very illegal to drive drunk, but it is not illegal to be full, filled with the Holy Spirit. Uh, so you may be asking yourself, well, okay, being filled with the Holy Spirit sounds pretty good. How do I do that? And I would say to you, that's a great question. I'm going to answer that for you. As we continue on in the passage, uh, we're going to see three different ways. Paul's going to go through three different ways describing how you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Technically, there is a fourth one. But that's for next week, so I can't talk about it. Uh, that's in verse 21. So we're going to be sticking in 19 through 20. Um, so I'm going to grab that. It is one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with and your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks for things the things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to our God and Father. Yeah, so we see three here. Speaking to one another uh, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody with your heart and then always giving thanks for all the things uh, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, this is essentially leading to cultivating a sense of appreciation for God and for the things uh, of God is what we're really kind of focusing to. This is what leads to this Christian euphoria. You guys see that cover with uh, Zendaya euphoria? About <laughs> put, put Christian on top of that. Pretty funny. I didn't do that. Shout out to Brian for that one. But I thought that was pretty funny because like, you don't really hear that term Christian euphoria very often. Uh, but we experience this. You know, you have a friend. When we experience a friend who decides to uh, come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, this leads to a great euphoria amongst the body of Christ. Uh, you see people's lives being completely transformed and changed as they walk with the Lord. Uh, that is such a sweet thing, a sweet euphoric thing. Uh, you get very excited seeing the Lord at work. And I mean, even in heaven, there have been parties uh, as this experience of someone entering into a relationship with Christ. Someone read that? Luke 15, 17. Yeah, man. The party is going. The party is going in heaven. Uh, they're excited about uh, you making that choice to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And the wonderful thing about being filled with the Spirit is it's not like with alcohol where, you know, where it's out over time where, uh, you know, maybe a couple beers get you feeling pretty good. But now the next time it's you need four, you need six. Uh, and it keeps going up and up. Same with drugs. You know, you don't get the same high as you did the first time. So you continually want more and more and more uh, until it's overbearing. That doesn't happen with the Holy Spirit. 
being filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, you don't need to, uh, you know, oh, it's not as good this time. It's always the same euphoric feeling each time the Holy Spirit is moving in your life. And it even gets more exciting as time goes on. <clears throat> as you mature in Christ, you know, you'd be, you're able to see more beautiful things. Lord, working in more beautiful ways. I think we can all agree on that. Uh, so we see here, speaking to one another. There should be a footnote, if you have a study Bible or you're looking at a digital Bible, right next to the word uh, one another. It says it should be to yourselves. I don't know if that pops up for anyone. So really what this is saying is speaking to yourselves. You got it? See, I'm not lying. Terry, that's good. He's checking me. That's right. I want to hear that. So this verse is commonly uh, misquoted as a command that you must have a worship singing service. And that is what it's saying. Well, I think that's pretty open to debate here. Judging by the context of what's going on here. Uh, you know, speaking to yourselves, it's not really having a worship service. Uh, or is he saying that people should speak to their own selves in the midst of themselves? And I think it's the latter because of the next verse we see here where it says sing. Uh, sorry, the next part of that where it says sing. Where did it go? Yeah, singing and making melody with, with. But another translation says in. So singing and making melodies in your own hearts. So this is an internal act. Now, I think this is funny because usually when I listen to teachings back in the day about worship services, we're always like, oh, we don't really do that in our meeting. And, you know, it makes sense why we don't do it. But now, in fact, we do have a worship service. It's just every other Sunday. And I was like, oh, heck yeah. That's very cool that we have a time to uh, worship with the Lord through song. But uh, it's not talking about worship service. Let's just get that clear here tonight. Uh, but we see in a parallel, this go into deeper uh, Information with that, Colossians 3.16 goes into this a little bit more deeply than what Paul mentioned here in uh, uh, Ephesians. So could someone grab that? Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you, with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another, with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Yeah, so there we go again. Thankfulness in your hearts to God. Singing in your hearts. Letting the, uh, the word of Christ dwell within you. So it's an internal act. Basically what this is saying is saturate your mind to God. Saturate your mind with everything of God. I like the word saturate. I don't know why. I like saying it. You know, it's kind of cool. Saturate. Uh, but it's like soaking up as much as you possibly can. Like if you've got a sponge and you saturate it in sudsy water. Okay, that thing's going to get... Dense, full of water. So it's like saturating your mind with the Lord. How are we doing that? I thought of an example. It's pretty funny. So little, you know, I mean, I, I grew up in Bedford, which is, uh, we call Bedford, bad place. Uh, education system, pretty bad. A little spooky at times, let's just say that. So I never really got a good education or understood how to, like, study. Uh, I see some people from Bedford are like, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> Bedford was pretty rough. But uh, so I never was very good with the education. Okay, math especially. I sucked at math. It was very hard to comprehend. Uh, the only thing I really can remember is algebra trees. Don't know why, but I love algebra trees. So uh, when I was like 16 or 17, you never heard of algebra? Factor trees. Sorry, factor trees, not algebra trees. We'll talk about that another time. You don't know about factor trees? 
I'm about to show you a factory tree later, bitch. Oh, no. <laughs> but uh, uh, I came across this song about 15 or 16 called Three is the Magic Number. Have you heard about this? Have you heard about this song? Oh, yeah. It's by uh, this specific version by Bob Dura, though. That's the catchiest of all the songs. And the song is so cool. It goes through the multiples of three, you know, three, six, nine, 12, 15, 18. Kayla's laughing because I've played this for like 20 times. Okay. <laughs> And then you do the multiples from three, three times ten, you go backwards. And I thought it was the coolest song. I kept listening to it until finally I'm like, dude, I can count multiples of three up to 30. No problem. <laughs> Math over. Don't even need the calculator anymore. I know the multiples of three. Isn't that interesting? But I say this because what we're going to talk about in a second here is uh, finding these spiritual songs to saturate yourself with of biblical truth. And having that repeat, repeat in your mind. So the question before we get into that is, what are you speaking to yourself? What are you speaking to yourself today? Uh, you know, are you, are you letting the Holy Spirit lead? Or are you letting the worries of the world uh, speak to you? This is a key, key question for Christians who want to be uh, characterized by the influence of the Spirit, you know. Uh, what are you speaking to yourself? So the point of that illustration is that, you know, we can be influenced by what we're listening to. We can be influenced by what we're telling ourselves. First uh, Timothy 1.15, I thought was interesting to put in here. It's, it is trust, a trustworthy statement, serving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am yeah. foremost. Yes. This is Paul giving his testimony. And what a beautiful way to view what the Lord has done. What a beautiful way to even begin your day. Constantly just repeating the fact that, thank you, Lord, for saving sinners, to which I am definitely one of those. Uh, constantly repeating that. And Paul understood that. That's why in his uh, testimony, he's making sure you know, I'm definitely foremost a sinner. Um, just imagine how different your day would be if that's how you began your day with the Lord. Realizing uh, with a grateful heart, thank you, Lord, for saving me. You came in the world, world to save sinners. And I'm most certainly a sinner. So I have a challenge here for you guys here tonight. Uh, find something that you can saturate your mind with, something very easy that can be repeated daily. Um, specifically, maybe even finding a song, a spiritual, biblically true song that you can have on repeat to remind you of the goodness of the Lord, to saturate your mind with the things of the Lord. Uh, there's really no excuse for this. We got the internet, Spotify, all that stuff. There are plenty of songs, but the key is to find a biblically true song. If you don't know one, Amazing Grace, whew, beautiful song. Beautiful song to start with. If you don't have a song, just reminding you of your position in God, that he's saved a wretch like me. I have a gospel playlist. I mean, I'll share with you my gospel playlist. It's a secret, but uh, it's like 11 hours of gospel. But if you ever heard gospel, whoo, I'll, I'll send you some gospel music. It's a lot different than Christian music, I'll tell you that. But um, it's very beautiful. Sometimes when I listen to my gospel playlist, it's like, I'm driving, man, tears just start falling. It's like, wow, that's beautiful. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done for me. And, uh, you know, some of these songs will just simply repeat a verse over and over again uh, in a very you know, melody type way. And it's very beautiful. But you'd be amazed at how helpful this is, finding that, uh, that spiritual biblical song to repeat to yourself. 
Uh, even if it's like, well, you have a passage that's really speaking into your life right now. Maybe even just memorizing that. Don't worry about the number. Maybe just at least keep the book in mind. <laughs> but like just repeating that verse over and over again. How uh, life-changing that could be. Uh, let's continue on here. Uh, Ephesians 5.20. Always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, who are God and Yes, this is a continual thing. Always giving thanks. This whole section really is about thanksgiving, if you think about it. Um, This is a big part of the joy that we experience in our Christian lives. This Christian euphoria kind of stems on giving thanks. And praise the Lord, Paul, Lord speaking through Paul here, and he's telling us how to have it. Thank the Lord uh, for speaking through Paul on this. I thought this verse was very uh, beautiful here. Speaking of verses that are very beautiful, there is a song with this verse in it. Psalms 1 18, 24. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. So it's having this thankfulness. You know, this is the day the Lord has made. Let's rejoice. Let's be thankful that the Lord has made this day, that we're alive to see this day. Um, but it's being disciplined with the Lord, thinking about what you're thankful for, setting aside time to, uh, uh, you know, just sit there and meditate. Thank you, Lord, for this. Thank you, Lord, for that. Even if it's the most mundane things, you know, thank you, Lord, for that. I actually chuckle because it is so beautiful, the weather outside. Terry, thank you so much for thanking the Lord for that because it reminded me, man, this was a very beautiful day. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful day. Um, and this thanking the Lord, always giving thanks, you know, God doesn't need that. It doesn't, like, make him more powerful the more you thank him. Like, it doesn't get stronger each time you say thanks. But it's more meant for us because we as fallen humans constantly need a reminder uh, that, you know, we need to be thankful. There's more than this fallen world. There's more that the Lord has done. And that's where we get into the impact of thankfulness. So I have a few points here of the impact of thankfulness. The one is that it corrects negative bias. I was just talking about that, this fallen world. We tend to go into negativity. Oh my goodness, just watch the news. Everything is negative on the news. Uh, but we as humans, we fall into cynicism very easily, bitterness very easily. Um, there's so much happening that just leads us into this negative nature. Uh, so funny story, me and Kayla will uh, do this thing now where um, if she comes in, let's just say hypothetically, and uh, she's upset about something and she's being a little bit too negative about some things. And uh, she mentions, you know, three or four things in a row that she's feeling upset about. And, and it's pretty negative. I'll end up calling her, hey, I didn't know, I didn't know you transformed a negative Nancy today. Oh, <laughs> you should prepare me. Negative Nancy was here. Uh, and then I'll say, hey, I need you to give me, give me three things that you're thankful for. Or give me three things that are positive instead of uh, these negative things. And I'm not picking on Caleb because guess what? That flips right back on me, baby. When I come home and I'm being negative, she says, oh, I didn't know you were negative Nancy today. Like, oh, damn, that's pretty good. She got me. She got me pretty good. But it is true, you know. We tend to fall into this negative mentality. And we need to be reminded, what can you be thankful for right now? Why are you focusing on all these negative things? There are far better and greater things that you could be thinking of right now at this moment. And one thing I want to mention, too, is that you're not pretending that things are better. Like, you may be in a tough situation. I don't want you ever to pretend that things are better than what they really are. 
It's just correcting the falsehood of your negativity, bringing the truth into the situation, not focusing on the fake negative thoughts that you're bringing up. But I'm not dismissing that there are tough times. There's a time for everything. But the key is, you know, where can you bring the Lord into that instead of just focusing only on negative things? So in Thanksgiving, we're focusing on what is true, not pretending that something is true that isn't true. How about that? I'll say that one more time. <coughs> Bless you. In, thankful, in Thanksgiving, sorry, we're focusing on what is true, not pretending that something is true that isn't true. How about that for a mind blower? That's what thankfulness is all about. Focusing on what is true. So the impact of thankfulness also corrects our lack of appreciation. Some people kind of fall into this uh, realm of, well, woe is me. You know, everything is awful. You know, uh, the world's just out to get me. And it's been out to get me for a long time. And things just suck. It always sucks. Maybe it's with your uh, apartment, with your roommates, maybe with your job, whatever it may be. And to that you say, well, so... You're not thankful. I mean, I've definitely been there. I've been stuck in dark places. And I can guarantee you I wasn't being very thankful at all. Uh, It does take work. And if you're melancholy like me, I struggle with negative thoughts. I struggle with getting out of my uh, holes, as I call them, my my mel holes. Uh, It takes work. And this is from a certified, they say that they're a deeply melancholy person. They said that even the mundane thing of saying, okay, I guess we can think about the cross. Jesus, I guess he did pay for my sins and I did deserve death and he saved me from that. Okay, thanks. In their words, okay? <laughs> so, so it can be as simple and as mundane as that, but it is something about lingering on thankfulness, lingering on the Lord. And eventually that can uh, open up your eyes There's a song about that too. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. How beautiful is that song? But uh, even as another challenge here, each day, maybe if you're struggling with this negative thought, think of three things that you're thankful for each day. Different things, not the same thing. I guarantee that you can think of three things each day. Or maybe even write in a gratitude journal if you like writing things down. Take time to thank the Lord and review the things that he's done for you. Uh, Paul, again, gives us a good way uh, to feel about things. Philippians 4.8, anybody? Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. commendable, if there is any excellence and if any worthy of praise, think about these things. Yeah, think about those things. I mean, Paul gave us a list right there. If you struggle with thinking about the Lord or thinking about the beauty that he, he's given you, boom, Philippians 4 is a good verse to repeat in your mind over and over again. Dwell on those things. And as you dwell on those things, your appreciation will grow over time. I think that uh, one of the things that got me out of my rut uh, was going through the book Heaven and constantly, week after week, reading about Heaven, reading about what the Lord uh, has done. Focusing on the things above, eventually, I'm like, okay, well, I guess I guess there are things to be grateful for, you know? Because I'm melancholy, so it takes me a while to get out of that sometimes. But focusing on those things, I think Paul has a very good point. So that brings up the question, 
maybe uh, you can think about this this here tonight. You know, how much of your prayer life is devoted to gratitude? How much of your thought life is devoted to gratitude? And as you think about this, over time, do you see this shrinking? Like your, your prayer life, your thought life devoted to gratitude, or is it growing? That could be the cause of maybe some of your situations. Not thanking the Lord um, as much as you used to. Or realizing you need to thank the Lord more and pray to him. Uh, something that's been so helpful for me is when you open up to prayer with the Lord in your heart or in corporate prayer, and the first things you should do is just mention something you're thankful for. Even if it's mundane. Thank you, Lord, that I didn't get in an accident today on my way to work. Thank you, Lord, for the beautiful weather. Thank you, Lord, for uh, that I can see, that I can walk. Uh, some people don't have that ability. Thank you, Lord, for that. That could totally change our minds, being filled with the Spirit. And then the third impact of thankfulness also leads to euphoria. Yeah, let's see if anyone's listening. You, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you have these times where you're being so thankful for the Lord, what he's done. And uh, there's this time where you're talking to him, thanking him for the things that he's done, and you just break down in tears. I think that is experiencing some true euphoria. I don't know if you guys remember, but a couple teachings ago, I had this picture up, which I'm not going to put up this time because I broke down in tears as I was trying to explain the picture. But it was called uh, Jesus at the Garden Door, where Jesus was standing there knocking on the door, and uh, there's no door handle on the outside, basically signifying is Jesus is waiting here for you, and it's up to you to decide to open up the door. Ha! Ah! <laughs> I'm getting choked up again on that. Wow, I can't even talk about it. Uh... I remember being up there and something happened in milliseconds where I thought about a hundred thoughts of thankfulness for the Lord and what he's done for me that I couldn't even speak because it just overwhelmed me so much what the Lord has done. I think that's the euphoria that we're talking about here. And someone brought up to me later is that, you know, the Lord is so powerful. He could tear down and destroy that door and say, you will obey me no matter what. But no, he gracefully sits there and waits for you to open that door. He's like, man, I never left. You're the one that turned away from me. I've been waiting for you to let me lead again. And he'll graciously wait there. And that's so cool. (sighs) Wow. That's a beautiful image. So I want to conclude with one thing here. Uh, Maybe you're investigating the Lord here and you're trying to figure out what it's like to be in a relationship with him. And what we talked about was a lot about what it looks like to be in a relationship with Lord. So with the Lord. So maybe you're saying, man, nothing you said here tonight, Carlel, makes a lick of sense. And I would honestly respond to you and say, you're right. That would not make sense to you because you'll never understand any of what we talked about here tonight with being filled with the spirit, unless you get into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is your answer. You don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you. Therefore, you can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. But thankfully, there is a solution to that problem. Ephesians 1.3 In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed 
in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. What is the message of truth, you say? Well, it's that God loves you and that God died for you. He wants to be in a relationship with you. And all it takes is you saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner, but also know that you're a savior. And I want your death on the cross to count for me. I want you to forgive me of my sins. And it's that simple to enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, acknowledging that he is Lord and that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved from there. I urge you to do this tonight in your own heart. You can do this in the quietness of your own heart. Maybe you just pray with me right there to receive Christ. There's a party going on in heaven because you decided to let the Lord lead. And now you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you and you can experience this Christian euphoria, which we were talking about here tonight. It's a beautiful thing. It later says on in Romans 10 that you won't be disappointed. There's no way that you'll find an ounce of disappointment being in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So that's all we have tonight. The crazy thing is, I said I wasn't going to cry because I practiced it and everything was fine. And I'm not showing the picture, so I'm not going to cry. And I still cry. Any questions or comments? Um, uh, experiences with being filled with the Holy Spirit? Um, would anyone like to share their experiences with that, what that looks like? Maybe you experienced that Christian euphoria. Anyone? Jordan? So, those who know me, one, I'm sober. Two, before getting sober, I didn't have Christ. I was lost. I had numerous different opinions and um, prejudices towards Christ. Now, coming to Christ, having everything, one, I have a family that's within Christ. That's all here tonight. Um, two, I have my I have Christ's love for myself. That right there is my gratitude list. Two, um, just being able to be around like-minded, uh, a like-minded body is very, very fortunate for where I'm at today in my life. So, thank you guys. I greatly appreciate it. Yeah. Would you agree that there is a difference being filled with the Holy there Spirit? There is a total thing? difference. One eighty. Yeah. Um, and it's unexplainable. Yeah. I love it. It's beautiful. Thanks for sharing that, Jordan. Thank you. Very cool. I, I, have, Ooh. I have thoughts just because I love gratitude. I feel like it's saved my life so many times just like learning that has been so cool and like um, I I really liked how your point was like it like the singing stuff it's like within our heart and like I know that for me personally like I feel like a singing worship is so awkward and so uncomfortable <laughs> and because like um, it's very emotive for me it's very emotional and so it's like, I want to be around strangers that like crying because of all of this stuff. So I think it's really sweet that it's like, it doesn't have to look like that. And you can still feel a lot of joy from it. Um, and like going off of that, uh, I don't know. I have so many thoughts about this. Because I'm like, yes, to all of it. 
but uh, I think too, uh, like the whole point of like not the whole point, but a lot of the stuff that you're talking about, like um, learning those songs. Like I have songs where I'm like, oh, I know this memory verse. Do I know exact? Like I know it's in this book. Kind of, but hmm. I know what it says because I have this song on replay yes. in my head. Yeah. Um, and I think that's actually like really valuable for learning scripture and like then being able to evoke with that in a way is also like weird and different and really, really cool and I highly recommend it. Um, and also the, the Philippians first, literally Kayla and I learned that when we were like, young Christians and had to do that all the time. So we learned that from Lina as Thrapple. 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 Because whatever is true, honorable, right, pure, uh, lovely, praiseworthy, Uh and excellent, think on these things. And so then it would be like, okay, I'm having a really hard time. And Caleb would be like, well, what, what's Thrapple? <laughs> I literally would have, what's true about it? Uh, well, I feel this way, but maybe this person doesn't hate me. Mm. You know? <laughs> okay, what are they doing that's honorable, even though you're uncomfortable? Mm. And I just, like, like, actually taking that and going through it is difficult at the time, but it can be so valuable because then you can... Like, you're uncomfortable, you don't like what's going on, but you can still find a lot of gratitude in it and be able to, like, just walk through it differently than just being, like, grumpy and angsty and mad. But you can be like, even though it's uncomfortable and I hate everything that's going on, I see that it's good, and I'm going to try to follow the Holy Spirit even though it's not fun. So, I don't... I just love that, and I thought it was really cool how it all tied in, and yeah. those are my thoughts. Yeah. That's, that's very good. I mean, honestly, I, I think that that's very practical for all of us here, you know, keeping that in mind. Uh, I like Thrapple. Kayla, I'm going to have to put that in the arsenal next time you're being negative Nancy. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> yes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, like, I feel like it ties into that, where, like, if you can just keep consistently repeating that one truth over and over and over, it's going to be, become so much easier for that to be your, your new, like, default, um, like, pattern of thinking, mm-hmm. versus whatever anxiety or negativity that, like, I'm, is normal for me. Mm-hmm. I think she has something to say to me. Yes. Oh, well, like, there have actually been, like, studies done that are, are outside of Christianity, that like scientifically have proven that gratitude literally rewires your brain. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. like like it literally changes the grooves and the patterns of your brain. Mm-hmm. Um and so the fact that we get to have a personal relationship with someone to be grateful for and like to ask things for of or to relate with is really amazing because you know how amazing is God that he loved us enough to give us these brains that are ability, like able to be changed, that are able to, to have, um, you know, to be changed positively in, like, in a really impactful, like, studyable way. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just really cool by gratitude uh, for him. Um, but I did have a question, just a little, like, a little bit of a question. For me so, or for Justin? For Justin. Okay. Um, so, you know, if all things are, are lawful for us, and we're able to, you know, drinking is not a bad thing. You know, that's what the Bible is saying. Then what if we're spending time around people that are trying to, like, stay sober? You know, is it beneficial for us to continue to do those things? Like, what is the best in that situation? Yeah, I think, you know, I think the Bible would tell us, like, in those cases, it's good to limit your freedom, you know, for the sake of the other person. Um, to be able to go and just, you know, I'm going to hang out with this guy and, you know, he's got issues with alcohol. So when I'm around with him, I'm not going to drink or I'm not going to invite, you know, when when we hang out, we're not going to go hang out at the bar. We're going to go hang out somewhere else. So, yeah. Can I throw two things at you? Throw it, throw it. How, how how profitable is that for you mm-hmm. to be drinking with this alcoholic? Mm-hmm. And then two is we're not supposed to do things to make our brothers and sisters stumble. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I got another thing to throw on top of that. Oh. Um. Honestly, so what AA had taught me and why I can be around people that do drink is people, places, and things. Am I in sound, sound mind and body? Okay, with where I'm at in my process of progression. Um, I can't control people, I can't control places, I can't control things. All solid. Valid point. So I can actually go anywhere and everywhere without having to worry about what others are doing around me. Yeah. I think, oh, was this on this train? Okay, real quick, I'll say a good verse, Romans 14, 13. Uh, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. So I think that perfectly solidifies what you were saying there. With, uh, you know, don't, we don't want to be a stumbling block, an obstacle. Well, that's the opposite of, like, you don't want to be a stumbling block for people that are like, I don't want to know Jesus because Christians are weird people that don't have fun. And you also don't want to be a stumbling block for people that are like, well, I can't be around you because you're drinking. Mm. You just, you know. 
Well, what the fuck, Becky? What can you do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> 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 you just hope you don't have those people in the same room. <laughs> the same? <laughs> 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 yeah. Amazing. That's okay. There's plenty of time. Plenty of time. You want to come back, Becky? And I'll come back later. I feel like Paul, she was ready. I just yeah, wanted. I don't know. I started to go back to Ephesians 20. Of course I can, but I have to go over here first. Uh, oh. Okay, so this is really sweet, right? Yeah, yeah. Always giving thanks for all mm-hmm. things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God and the Father. So, all things. Okay. He's not saying good things. He's saying all things, right? Mm-hmm. And so it kind of follows up with what you're saying. What are you going to remember, right? What do you want to hone in on? Mm-hmm. Where are you going to go, right? What do you want to fill your head with, what we've all been talking about? And what a sweet thing to go back to. Check all the time. Is this the verse you want to remember? Is this what you want to put on the dashboard in the car? Mm-hmm. We all drive. <laughs> Most of us, right? We're all driving places and doing things. Yeah. And it's a good reminder, right? As you see that idiot driving. Almost seen them, right? Yeah. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Let me just be thankful that I didn't just hit that. Right. right? Yeah. They didn't hit yeah. me. Yeah. Let me be the one who is just calm and mm-hmm. giving example. Yeah. Right? Well, That's... I do the same thing. <laughs> so it's, it's a sweet reminder. Yeah. And thank you for that. Because yeah. we should focus on those things. Mm-hmm. I love that. Like, get a song, get yeah. a verse, and focus on it every single day. Yeah. Every day. That's so very true. Thank you for that. Yeah. Really no problem. Okay. Thanks for sharing. That was awesome. Yeah. I mean, uh, I uh, I could tell you living proof, you know, I... I uh, at the ADD, so for me, memorizing things is very hard. But there comes a point where if you repeat something so much, it changes your mind. I mean, I remember this song from 16 years ago, <laughs> and it's changed my, you know, my way I do things. But it, I think that's very true, Paula. That that is that's such a complete solidifying fact. Um, Becky. Okay, I'll be quick because I feel like we already said all these things. No, take your time. Okay, thank you. Um, <laughs> it's there's a lot of like cute Facebook posts that are always telling me to like say positive things to myself. And, hmm. You know, you spend a lot of time with you, so tell yourself good things. And I think yeah. that that's very true. I am always like, oh yeah, that would be really good for my mental health. Thanks, Facebook. But also like, <laughs> are any of these things true like, that I'm going to say to me? Um, and so like, I, I'm really bad at it. Uh, but I have had times where like, I've, like, had something true that, like, is in your brain. And, like, Galatians 2.20 was a big deal for me for a while. Um, over time. You know, I, I've been bruised by the Christ. It's no longer I have to live. And the life that I now live. Do you have that? Uh, close. Yeah, just a little bit. You know, I, I'm just struck by, like, it is super healthy, and, like, there are studies on, you know, having gratitude is important, and, like, saying positive things to yourself does help you not be depressed, but like, it's just so cool that like, we can be sure that those things are true mm-hmm. and not just like trying to trick your brain into not being broken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
That reminds me, um, I was listening to a teaching, and I wish I could cite the source, but I'm sure you can find it if you're really interested about it. But he was mentioning how self-help books, self-help books, although they're like bestsellers all over the place, actually contribute to depression, mm-hmm. which is pretty wild. It's supposed to be helping you with your, you know, cheering you up and make you think all these positive things. But in turn, it actually does lead people in higher rates of depression. Because I should be able to fix it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have the book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. That's so true. Yeah. That's funny you say that. There's this book called Girl Wash Your Face. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She, she claims to be a Christian. I don't know. Anyway, I like, it just disgusted, like, me about myself. Like, I could not do this stuff that she's, like, saying to do. And, you know, just as, like, it. Yeah, it made me feel like I can't, I can't, I don't, I don't even want to be like, I want to be a boss. I don't <laughs> want to do these things. Like, that's not what gives me value. So it's like interesting that you know, our culture feeds into these like things mm-hmm. that are all self-focused mm-hmm. when really we need to look out of ourselves and love other people. Mm-hmm. And that is like what's satisfying. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Okay, yeah, I there's... Have, I sorry. Hop on it. I was thinking, too, like, if you're having... You know, if you're having a struggle with outreach or, you know, not you know, being effective for the Lord, this may be an issue. Because if, you know, if you're salty and, you know, down and depressed, that's just like everybody else in the world. But when you're being filled with the Spirit... That is so attractive to people. Mm-hmm. They notice and they want they want to know what's going on. Yeah. You know, so it's really sweet. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that, Gary. That was very cool. Hello. Oh, sorry, Matt. Yeah. Hello. Sorry. Hello. My head needs to turn. It happens. It happens all the time. <laughs> um, with Galatians uh, five twenty, with all the gift, gift things and all things. Um, one of the things that sparked into my mind, which again was I think something I already mentioned, so uh, which even even in times, even in bad events, bad times, things that you want to have occur that don't occur, you're still supposed to give praise to God. A example I can give of that is is my now past grandmother. Um, she was she was literally on her deathbed. And she could not do anything for herself. She was able to, um, through my, my mom, myself, and I think some of my aunts were reading her scriptures. Hmm. And at, I unfortunately was not able to witness this in person, but it, I was so glad when I heard it. Uh, and because my, it was literally only four or five days until my grandma actually passed. Um, but in her in her deathbed, she was able to lift up her to lift up her arm ever so slightly, and speak out the words multiple times. I am praising God. Mm. So even in our even in our deepest trials that we may find ourselves in, um, we are to give praise to God no matter what. Mm-hmm. So that's very important. Yeah. So. That's very cool. Yeah. There's always something to be thankful for. Oh. You adding on that? No, no, it's uh, separate. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I was saying there's always. Whoa, whoa, whoa.
I will say uh, so that do not be drunk. Um, you know, you don't need to be a Christian to do that. There's plenty of people that aren't Christians that get over their addictions and things like that, mm -hmm. drugs or to alcohol or whatever. But your last point, Carlo, was, I think, it's extremely insightful or to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The natural man can't do that. You're exactly right. Um, like, you know, when I was drinking and smoking weed, um, you know, I think the Lord helped me stop doing that stuff, but it was more like, man, I got the Holy Spirit in me, I got all these amazing things happening in my life right now, why would I go back to that other thing? Sounds good. I don't need that. Um, I thought I did, because my wife, my life was terrible, and uh, that was like, I looked forward to drinking, I looked forward to partying, and, uh, things like that. But then once I received the Holy Spirit, I'm like, what the hell, you know, so... There, there is a strong point to that. Where I think the Lord can help with these addictions, but it's, you know, it's He's not just changing the outward, your outward actions. He's changing your heart, and that's what the Spirit does. He changes your heart, uh, and that's what God is concerned with, not necessarily your outward actions. So, just like this verse is saying here, it's, it's being filled with the Holy Spirit, so He can change your heart. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yielding to the Holy Spirit. It's amazing the, the the places the Lord will lead you if you allow Him to to lead, like you're saying. It's crazy. So this Corey Temple, she's uh she was uh in Holland or somewhere over there, and she got thrown in a concentration camp for high Jews, and she was in their camp with her sister, and her sister was like being thankful to God for having fleas that they had fleas in their compound, and. Uh, her sister scratching her head, you know, and said, what are you being thankful for fleas for? Well, the thankfulness came because the Nazi guards didn't want to go into that particular uh, compound because there was a lot of fleas in there, and it kind of acted protected them. Hmm. So that was something like, hey, hmm. I'm thankful for fleas. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Yeah, even the small thing. Lindsay. This is a quick plug. If people want to look more into thankfulness and gratitude, um, James Rochford has I was gonna a say that. teaching oh, yeah. called The Lost Virtue of Gratitude. Mm -hmm. Super good. I feel like it helped change my life. So Yeah, I was actually going to post that article on our, our church Facebook after this. Oh, hell yeah. There's an article, very detailed, and I think the teachings are attached to that too. Very cool. That's a good teaching. Yeah. Jordan, yeah. Can you have someone send that to me? Uh, yeah, yeah, awesome. They probably have someone printed out for you. That's all I have to ask. Very good. Okay, um, well, can I have uh, one person pray for us and then I'll close? Or Justin can close? I'll close, I'll close, I'll close. to fill us. Mm -hmm. um, I 
pray that we can have more cool conversations about what that looks like in our lives and that we can be sharing with each other about that. Yeah. Yeah, Lord, thank you so much for this fellowship and thank you for the people that um, you surround us with here. Um, thank you that uh, we have this building that we can meet in here, virtually meeting outside. I'm going to be super thankful for that, get the fresh air. Um, uh, just thank you so much for uh, how far you've taken us and the things that you're still showing us and that you care uh, so much for each and every one of us. Um, your grace is, uh, is just truly amazing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound. I pray, Lord, tonight, just uh, you just be with us as we're fellowshipping. And, uh, um, yeah, just protecting us throughout this week. And I know we're excited to, to get down to Florida. Just pray you get us there safely. And uh, pray for those who aren't going that, um, you know, there's still some fellowshipping going on and uh, hangouts and stuff. And just uh, help them to, to have some sweet fellowship, too. And, uh yeah, I'm excited, Lord, for uh, uh, sweet activities that we get to do as a church, uh, especially with the talent show coming up. I'm very excited to see uh, some of our hidden talents. Uh, I just pray, Lord, that uh, you just have these words resonate with us tonight and show us a song that we can uh, have and repeat. Show us a verse that's just sticking to us like glue that we can just keep repeating over and over again uh, until it just stays there. Uh, but yeah, pray these all in your name. Amen. 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 Amen